we just finished up uh, a series two weeks ago called Refocus, where we, we kind of set the stage for what our priorities in our lives should be, right? We, we said scripture, worship, and community should be really our main three priorities in our lives as, as Christians. And you could put prayer in there with scripture and just all the different spiritual disciplines that we should have in our lives. And so coming out of this, right, coming out of that series, we thought, hey, it, it would be a great time to really kind of talk about what it looks like to be a, a, a believer, a disciple, a Christian who is not just one in name only, but a Christian who's com- actually committed to Christ. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks, we're going to study the book of James. It's a pretty simple series title. It's literally called James because uh, we're studying the book of James. So if you don't I mean, if, if you don't understand all of our series titles, this one I hope you can understand because it's pretty simple. Uh, so we are going to spend the next couple of weeks going through the book of the James, uh, book of James. If you've never read a whole book of the Bible, guess what? Now's your time. We will read the whole book of James. So hang with us for a couple of weeks, and here at the end you'll be able to say, "Hey, I've read an entire book of the Bible." Now, before we get into chapter one tonight, I'll ask you a question, and I want you to just raise your hand. If you've ever been on a team, raise your hand if you've ever been on a team. Maybe that's a sports team. Maybe that's a theater. Maybe that's a class project, right? That's still a team. Maybe that's band, right? Like any time that you are with a group of people working towards the same goal, right? That is a team, right? And band, you're all working together to, to make music, right? That sounds good, right? Each person has their part for the goal of making that song sound good. Right when you're on a baseball team, right? You're you're all working together. You're playing different positions, but you all have the same goal. Shh, listen. Right, we've all been on teams before, and here's what I know about teams. I know that there's two things that nobody likes when it comes to teams. The first thing is a fair weather fan, right? We, we know what a fair weather fan is. That's right, someone who uh, only becomes a fan when a team is doing really good. That'd be like me coming in, moving to Colorado almost a year ago and say, hey, I'm like the biggest abs fan in the world, right? You'd look at me and go, no, you're from the South. They don't play hockey there. You just like the abs because they won the Stanley Cup, right? I'm not an abs fan. I would be a fair weather fan, right? You could apply it to anything, right? Maybe it's, uh, you know, when Valor's doing really good, right? It's easy to be a, it's easy to be a Valor fan because they always win, right? Uh, but it's a lot harder to be a Rock Canyon fan or a Castleview fan because, yeah, they're not as good. Whoa, 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 whoa. But here's the thing. Regardless, we don't like Fairweather fans. We don't like them. The other thing that we don't like would maybe be a Fairweather friend or a Fairweather classmate, whatever you want to call it, right? You, just, just, just think about the last class project you did. I, I'm sure you can think of the person in your group, maybe you were this person, and just heads up, if you were this person, hey, the people in your group did not like you. Uh, it's that person that like is in the group. It's the person in the group that does none of the work and just expects to get the grade, right? No one likes that person, right? No one likes a person that just tries to get the free ride to get the grade without doing any of the work. We, we just don't like those people, okay? We don't like Fairweather fans. We, but I think we need to ask ourselves a really important question. And so without raising your hand, guys, look up here. Look up here. It's important. I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you a fair-weather Christian? Are you a fair-weather Christian? And what I mean by that is, are you a Christian 
who only follows God when it's convenient and easy? Are you a Christian who only follows God when you have something to gain from it? And when things get tough, you peace out. And you say, I don't want anything else to do with it. Are you uh, a Christian who maybe you're only a Christian at church, but then when you go to school and it's not as popular, you don't really want to associate yourself as a Christian? Are you a fair-weather Christian? Because I think we need to be honest with ourselves. Because maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're sitting here and that's you. You're a fair-weather Christian tonight. And hey, I, I got news for you. That's okay. We can work with that. We can work with honesty. Because here's what I know is I've been a fair-weather Christian before. I've been a fair-weather Christian at different times in my life. Just because you're not one right now doesn't mean you won't be one tomorrow. Because each day we have to wake up and say, hey, I'm going to commit myself to following Christ. But here's what we know is that a, a fair-weather Christian only follows God when it's convenient, when it's comfortable, and when it leads to blessings. That's, what, that's when fair-weather Christians decide to follow God. Right? They won't follow God at school because it's not popular. They don't have popularity to gain from that. But at church, they might be the most in-depth Christian you've ever seen. Why? Because people are like, oh, wow, like, look, they're, they're really Jesus-y. They're a really deep Christian. But then you start to look at things, and the way they are at church doesn't match the way they are at school. And maybe for you, you can sit here and honestly say, man, the way I live at church and the way I live outside of church, they're not matching. Maybe you're a fair-weather Christian. And see, the problem with a fair-weather Christian is that they care more about themselves than they do about God, right? It has nothing to do about God. It's all about what can I get, what is easy for me. It has nothing to do with actually living for Christ, right? It essentially takes God out of the equation and says, I'm just going to do what's easy and best for me. If it's hard, now forget it. I'd rather do something easy. And so as we read through chapter one tonight, James is really going to challenge us on this. James is really going to challenge us and call us as believers to go from the bench to getting in the game. From sitting on the sidelines to actually being active believers, active disciples. And maybe you're here tonight and you're like, hey, like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure about this whole Jesus and church and Christian thing. That's okay. That's honest. I would still say that the book of James will just challenge you to be a better person. And so if you'll just be honest tonight, I really think that God can challenge you as a believer to be a better, more committed Christian. So let's start out. Let's start out reading in James uh, chapter one, verses one through four, and then we're going to flip down to verses 12 through 15. It's there on your notes. So follow along with me there, or you can follow along on the screen. This is what it says. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. It says, this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Here's what he says. Dear brothers and sisters, circle this next word, when. Circle that word on your notes, when. We'll come back to that. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when, circle that word again, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Skipping on down to verse 12, here's what he continues to say. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. 
afterward, catch this, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So here's the first thing that we see when we read the beginning of chapter one of the book of James. The first thing that we see is as a committed Christian, if we were to say committed Christians do three things, if they do three things, the first thing that committed disciples of Christ do is they endure. They endure. And that can be really hard for us sometimes because life gets tough and it's a lot easier to do things that aren't hard. It's a lot easier to walk away from the hard times of life than to stick it out and push through. And I had you circle that word when there because as James is telling us, it's not a matter of if life is going to get hard for you. Some of you have already experienced life at its hardest. It's not a question of if life gets hard. It's when life gets hard. And it's not, hey, when is life going to get hard the one and only time? It's, hey, when is life going to get hard again? Because you may have been through a hard hardship in life and now things are okay, but guess what? Life is going to get hard again. It just is. Life is like an up and down roller coaster, right? We have great experiences on the mountaintops and then we get down into the valleys and it's just plain hard and it stinks. It's not fun. And I'm sure some of you tonight, you're, you're riding high saying, man, life is great. And others of you, man, life has been a struggle for you. You've gone back into school and there's anxiety that is coming with tests and grades. And I feel that that's real, right? Like school does not make for an easy life, right? School was not easy for me. My life was hard in school. Life was very easy for my sister in school. I was that guy who struggled with everything. I was the B's and C's kid. My sister was the straight A's never made below a 98 girl, right? Like you got the two extremes in siblings, right? I was, <laughs> I was not the straight A kid. But here's what we know is that when, when life gets tough, you have an option. You have a choice when life gets tough. Your choice when life gets tough is to either turn against God, turn away from God, or to stand with God. That is your choice. There's no third option. When life gets tough, you can either choose to, to push through and endure and rely on your faith, or you can turn to walk away and say, hey, I'm going to do things my own way because I think I can do things better. And me sticking it out would be really hard. But me choosing to go do my own thing would be a whole lot easier. Look, look back at verse 12. Right? It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Man, I... I I find that verse really interesting. Here's why. Right? Our culture has essentially taught us that if things get hard, turn and go find something easy because that'll be more rewarding. But what scripture is saying here, what James is saying is that, hey, that's not true. That true blessing from God comes when we endure through the hardship. Right? He says, after you patiently endure the testing, Right After you patiently endure the hardship, that's when God gives you the blessing. 
Now, along with that, that would mean that if we don't endure the hardship, you're not going to get the blessing. There's not like a side path that you can choose to walk of your own that gets you to where God is leading you. And the path that God is leading you on leads to blessing. Your path does not. You, you can't just make a detour. Right? It's kind of this idea that, like I was saying with the, the prizes, you got to be present to win. Or you have to be present in your relationship with God in order to receive the blessings that God is trying to give to you. But that can't happen if you choose to turn against God. I want to kind of give you two examples in the Bible. One would be the story of Job. Many of you have heard this story. We talked about it at the end of June. Uh, if you were here, I, Job experienced all sorts of troubles in his life. If you think your life is hard, go read the story of Job. His life sucked. It was terrible. Uh, but what scripture says is as Job is enduring, right, it says that Job was righteous in God's sight, that, that God could not find fault with Job in the way that he was responding. He questioned God. He cried out to God and said, God, why are you putting me through this? But he always relied on his faith and he always kept his faith in God. He never like said, forget this, I'm going to do my own thing. He always followed God in all that he did. What we see at the end of the story is that God blesses him way more than Job could have ever imagined. Another story in the book of Genesis is the story of Joseph, right? Maybe you've heard the story, maybe you haven't. Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. Be like your sibling saying, I don't like you anymore. I'm going to sell you into to slavery, right? I'm going to make you go work. I'm going to sell you to someone else and you can go work for him. So his brothers literally sell him to the Egyptians and say, hey, go work. And what we see is that as he goes over there, he, he's in Potiphar's house, and he's, he's working as a servant. And then Potiphar's wife accuses him of all cra these crazy accusations. And then he gets thrown in jail to make matters worse. He gets thrown in jail. And, and like Joseph is at probably rock bottom, right? Would have every excuse to say, God, what the heck is going on? But he keeps his faith. And then what we see is that he has an opportunity. God gives him an opportunity through the hardship, and he becomes the second in charge of all of Egypt because he kept his faith in Christ. He kept his faith in God. Had he turned away from God and just ditched God, he never would have had the opportunity he had through the hardship. He never would have received the blessings from God that he received. He only received those because he kept his faith. I can think of my own life, right? I can think back to one of the hardest times in my life was when my parents got divorced. My parents got divorced when I was a freshman in college. Many of you, your parents are divorced. And you, you can understand, it's hard. Many of you have friends whose parents are divorced and you have seen how hard it is for them. It's really hard. It's not an easy relationship, family dynamic to walk through. It's really hard. And I can honestly say that there were times in that where I could have said, God, like, forget this, man, and just walk the other way. And I'm really glad that I didn't because there were a lot of blessings that came through that. My relationship with my sister, when we went in, when my parents got divorced, my relationship with my sister was not good. Right, we weren't friends. Uh, to be honest, we like borderline hated each other. <laughs> like it just like we, I don't know. We just never got along. But through that, we, we began to rely on one another. And now I would say we're pretty close. We're a lot closer now. Like she's getting married in October and I'm doing her wedding, right? I'm, I'm the pastor for the wedding. And that's really cool. If you'd asked me like five years ago if that was going to happen, I'd have said, mm, probably not. 
But God worked some pretty incredible things through that hardship. And it would have been a whole lot easier to walk away and go live life how I wanted to live. And at times, honestly, I, I did a little bit. But in the end, I kept my faith in God. And God was faithful to bring his promises into my life. And so for you, whatever you're walking through right now, whether it's anxiety, depression, maybe life at home isn't great right now, my encouragement to you is, hey, life isn't just going to get easier like that. But if you'll endure and be patient and trust in God, he will bring blessings through the hardship because he's a good God. But here's what we know is that when, when we're a fair-weather Christian, we quit. We quit when life gets tough. That is what culture teaches us to do. Right? Fair-weather Christians quit when life gets tough. They just choose to turn and walk the other way. But as committed Christians, committed believers, Jesus calls us to be patient, to stick it out, to keep our trust in God and be patient. I want us to read, keep reading in the James chapter 1. Let's look at verses 5 through 8. It's also on your notes. It'll be on the screen. Listen to this. This is James 1, 5 through 8. It says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Circle that word alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided what? What's that word? Loyalty. Is, an, is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. For me, th this passage is very visual for me. Uh, there where it talks about being uh, as unsettled as the waves and the wind, uh, Elizabeth and I, we moved from Destin, Florida. And there, uh, we don't have wildfires or anything like that. We have these things called hurricanes. Uh, and they're pretty crazy. But <laughs> what we always loved to do is when the storm was coming in, we'd go down to the docks and we'd go down to the boardwalks and we'd stand at the back. Like, if you've ever gone to the beach, you know, like when you go from the parking lot and you step on that first plank of wood to go onto the boardwalk, that's where the water would be usually when the storms would come in because the water just pushes up. But it would be crazy to watch the waves just everywhere, right? It, when you go to the beach on a calm day, it's like this nice pattern of smooth, calm waves. But when a hurricane's coming in, they're all over the place, right? There, there's no pattern. It's not smooth. It's not calm. These waves are crashing left and right. They're massive. And if you went out in them, they would kill you. And it's because the way the wind is blowing them. And that's what James, that's the visual James is kind of communicating here is when our loyalty is divided, we are like waves in the wind. And so what we see that as a committed Christian, committed Christians are loyal and they're committed. The second thing that committed Christians are, committed disciples of Christ is they're loyal and they're, they're committed. They're not like these waves crashing in the wind. They're the smooth waves, right? They're not divided. Again, I, I'm not as familiar with sports out here. For me, it's easy to like uh, say a rivalry of like Auburn and Alabama. And if you grew up in the South, you would understand that. Uh, maybe for y'all, like, I don't know who, Valor's rival, maybe like Rock Canyon or something like that, right? Like Regis, right? Like, okay, Regis, let's just say Regis. Y'all know the schools. 
the point is, is you can't be a Regis fan and also be a Valor fan, right? Like if you were saying, hey, I'm a Regis fan and I'm a Valor fan, people will look at you and go, pick one. Or you, you, you can't be both. That's not possible. It's not possible to be a fan for both. You, you have to pick a side. And what James is saying here is, hey, guess what? Guess what? You have to pick a side. You have to pick a side. And you have to choose a side between Christ or the world. You can't do this one foot in the church and one foot in a relationship with Christ and one foot in culture in the world. You, you can't do it. You have to pick a side. You, you can't live for Jesus at home and at church and go live how you want to at school and outside of church. You, you can't do it. It's one or the other, right? Something can't be hot and cold. It's one or the other. It, 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 light cannot exist in the darkness and darkness cannot exist in the light. They're opposites. And here's the thing is Christ and the world are opposites. The way that Christ tells us to live and the way that the world tells us to live are complete opposites. And so James says, you have to make a choice. And fair weather Christians, here's the deal is they try to play both sides. They try to, to live for Jesus and they try to do their own thing in the world. But even Jesus, right? Don't take James's word for it. Take Christ's word for it in Matthew 6, 24. Maybe write that verse down and go back and read it. Matthew 6, 24. There, Jesus is very clear. And Jesus's words there are, you cannot serve two masters. Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve him and serve the world. You have to pick. You have to pick. And the great thing is, is our actions show us who we're following. Your actions show who you're following. Nicole talked about community two weeks ago. Guess what? Your friends show who you're following. Because I can see your priorities through your friends. How do you live your life? What do you prioritize? Do you ever open the Bible and read the Bible? Do do Hey, y'all have got one step here. You're coming to church. That's great. But when you go away from church, are you cussing? Right? Vaping is a thing. Are you doing that? Right? Are you saying things and doing things you shouldn't say and do? It's, it's crazy the amount of things that y'all are exposed to. Are you living for Christ in private? Or is it only in public? Right? These are the things that I can't answer for you that only you can answer for yourself. But you really need to be honest with yourself on these because it's a big deal. Right? And as, as Christians, James continues to say is that, hey, we ask God for a lot of things. We ask God for a lot of things. He's not saying that's wrong. Right? James says, hey, don't be afraid to ask God for what you need. But he says, as you're asking God for the things that you want and need, make sure that your faith is in God alone. Make sure that your faith is in God alone. Because a person, as James says, a person who is living for God and living for the world should expect to receive, it says, nothing. It says you should expect to receive nothing. Now, I can think of quite a few times in my life where I would ask God for different things. I would pray and say, God, I really need you to show up in this way, or I really need you to help me with this or with that. And I would just feel like God wasn't helping me. 
And in, in, in the moment, I blamed God for not showing up and not answering. But if I'm being honest, when I look back, a lot of it is because I was trying to do things my own way. And I was trying to live life the way that I wanted to live life instead of keeping my faith in God alone. And so maybe you're the person here tonight saying, man, why am I not seeing God work in my life? And I just want to pose a question. It could be, it's not 100%, but it could be that you are not following God with your whole heart. Your, your faith and trust is in, not in God alone. Maybe it's you're trying to do things your own way. Maybe it's you're asking God but not trusting him to actually do it, and so you're taking it upon yourself to do it yourself. And that's a problem. You can't do things yourself and expect God to give you the blessings. Right? Here's what we know at the end. Loyalty matters. Loyalty matters. Loyalty matters. Let's keep looking uh, at James chapter 1. We're going to look at, uh, now we're going to look at verses 19 through 26. They're on your notes. Here's what James says. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God, God's word. Catch this. Don't just listen. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't circle this word, obey. It is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, catch this, if you claim to be a Christian, but don't control your tongue, man, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Man, I don't know about you, but that kind of hits a nerve, right? That's kind of hard to listen, listen to and read. Because I think there's a lot of times where as Christians, we listen, but we don't obey. And that's the, that's the third thing I would say that James teaches, teaches us here in chapter one is that committed believers, committed disciples, they obey. They obey, right? It says that listening to God is pointless if you don't actually follow and do what he says. Think about this. Your mom tells you to go clean your room. You hear her say that. If you don't go do it, are you going to get in trouble? Yes. If you don't actually go and do it and actually obey, it doesn't matter if you heard her say it. It's probably going to make her worse if you say, yeah, I heard you, but I just didn't do it, right? You're probably going to get a butt whooping. Sorry, 21st century, you're not allowed to, to spank anymore. I don't know. It's crazy. But here, here's what we learn, right? As we, as we read this passage in James, we learn that obedience reveals our priorities. Who you follow, what you follow, reveals your priorities. Are you following the world or are you following Christ? Obedience reveals 
our priorities. And that's a big thing, guys. Again, I, I told you earlier, I can tell if you have faith in Jesus, you can tell if other people have faith in Christ based on the way that they're living. Because your obedience to God's word, your obedience to Christ and how he tells us in his word to live shows our priorities. And it shows if we value Christ. Here's another thing obedience shows us. Not only does it show us our priorities, but our obedience shows us our effectiveness as disciples. It shows us our effectiveness as disciples. And here's what we know is that the, the flip side of that, the flip side, the opposite of a committed Christian is a fair weather Christian. So the opposite of being obedient would be that fair weather Christians are disobedient and ineffective. Fair weather Christians are disobedient and ineffective, meaning they don't listen to God's word. And if you're not living how, how God would call us to live, hey, one of the things that he says is to go and make disciples. If you're not sharing the word of God, you're ineffective as a disciple. Hey, a great way you can share the gospel is by bringing a friend to church. A little side plug. Right? That, is a, that is an easy way, right? If you're scared to go up to them and actually open the Bible or start talking about your faith, a, a really easy way for you to begin to share the gospel with someone who doesn't believe in Christ is to just bring them to church and let us do it, right? It's a really easy way, right? Ineffective and disobedient, right? Think of a team, ineffective and disobedient players on a team, they never get played. Think about this, right? Think about in football, like if you had a running back who decided not to listen to what the coach said to the play that was called, the play said run left and he ran right. Would he be very effective as a running back? No, not at all. Right? Think about as if, if maybe you cheer, maybe you're a cheerleader, right? And your job is to like hold the person up. If you just decided to not hold the person up, they're going to fall down. Are you very effective at doing your job? No. So what's going to happen? Your coach is going to pull you out. Your coach is going to put you on the bench, right? If you're in band and you decide you're just going to go haywire and start playing the wrong song, your conductor, your band director is going to say, hey, guess what? I don't think band is for you. Maybe go try something different. Right here, here choir, if you sing the wrong notes or you're not good at singing, guess what? You ain't going to be in the choir very long. But here's what, here's what, we, here's what we see is you only get to play you're only effective as a player when you're obedient, when you follow the play. So as Christians, as people who believe in Christ, you are only effective. You only get to play a part in the body of Christ when you're obedient, when you're actually following Christ. Right? If you're disobedient, guess what? You're going to be sitting over here on the bench. You're, God wants to use you. God has a purpose for you, but guess what? God's not going to put you in your purpose if you're not going to be obedient. God's not going to give you the opportunity if he knows you're just going to be disobedient in the opportunity. Because guess what? God has a play to run, and it's called saving people. It's called bringing people home to Jesus. 
And if you don't want to participate, if you want to be disobedient and not go along with the play, guess what? You're just not going to be a part of it. And you're not going to receive the blessings that come from it. But if you want to be obedient and you want to part the play, come on, let's go. So the, the last thing that we would say is, are you in the game? Are you in the game? And that is the question that you have to ask yourself tonight. Are you in the game? Are you a committed Christian or are you someone who's sitting on the sidelines as a fair weather Christian? Let's pray. Lord, I'm just so thankful for these students. I'm thank thankful for your word. Lord, I just pray that you would challenge us tonight uh, to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves whether or not we're fully committed to you. And if we're not, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us to be honest, and to make a change or to be fully committed to you. So, Lord, I, I pray for these students. I ask that um, you would just show your love to them, but that you would challenge them and speak honesty and truth to them. Help them to respond to you and choose each day of their life, Lord, to be a committed Christian, a committed disciple to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.